What our intuition is telling us is going to require us to make a major change. It's going to require us to have a hard conversation. It's going to require us to have a boundary. It's going to require us to hurt someone else's feelings, to disappoint someone else. And instead of doing that, we disappoint ourselves over and over again. That's Andrea Owen. I'm Cara Duffy, and this is the Powerful Ladies Podcast. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I have had you on my wish list for guests since 2020. Okay. Um, right after I read um, my first book of yours. And I was like, we have to talk to this person. Not only is this book, I picked it up off the shelf because I liked the title and it was Which a one? pretty cover. Um, how to Stop Feeling Like Shit. I love the, the circles on the cover. I like that it, exactly what it said. I like that it swore because we <laughs> yeah. just need the real talk sometimes. Exactly. And to my team, I was like, I want to talk to her. She knows what she's talking about. And I'm a yes. Thank you. So thank you for finally being here. Um, and since then, you've written a lot of books. You have a lot of author accolades. So before I, do. I brag more about you, <laughs> let's tell everyone your name, where you are in the world, and what you do besides write books. I'm Andrea Owen. I'm originally from San Diego, was there for 36 years, but I've called North Carolina home for almost a decade now. And I am also a mom and I am in the middle of a divorce, my second one as we record this. So I'm soon to be not a wife anymore, but I'm very experienced with it. I think I'm going to retire from wifing after this one. <laughs> Tried it. It was great, but I'm done. And what else? Yeah, I love taking care of myself as best I can and talking about the things that no one wants to talk about. Mm -hmm. And you're also a speaker and a coach. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I forgot um, about that. It, it's hard. When you're a badass, you kind of forget some of the it things all that you're together. doing. Yes. <laughs> it does. You're like, I talk about this in 1800 ways. So whatever exactly. box you want to call that. Mm -hmm. And I love how honest you are about your journey of becoming the author and speaker that you are today. Um, for those who don't know, I'm just going to summarize from your little clip on your website. You had a pivotal life moment when you found out your first husband was cheating on you and got your neighbor pregnant. Mm -hmm. That is like, the, it puts Vanderplump to shame. I don't watch that show, so that I. But I, I've heard there's lots of drama, which both you know makes me kind of sad that my life was like that, and also like, yeah, I get it. This was also right around the time he and I were having the conversation to conceive our first child. We'd been together for 13 years at that point, and we had been married for a few years. And I was 30, so it's like right around the time everybody's like settling down, having babies, mm -hmm. and that happened. So it completely flipped my life upside down. Yeah, I totally get that. My last relationship ended right when we were talking about starting the IVF process mm. and realizing, oh, you're not actually going to do any of the things. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. I think we don't talk enough as humans and definitely not as women about how hard it can be to choose ourselves. Ugh. And the well, habit that most of us, well, many of us have 
of not choosing ourselves and somehow feeling like that's comfortable and normal because essentially that's what we're taught. We are doing what was sold to us as girls and women. I'm sorry to like jump in like we're not even done, but like (laughs) I get on my soapbox about this, both because it's so common with the women that come to me for coaching as well as my own experience. Like we grew up in a culture that not only taught us, but praised us for putting other people's comfort and needs before our own. And especially, you know, if I'm speaking to people who are in heterosexual relationships, it's especially common for women to do that with their male partners. And this is not to blame and shame men. They grew up in the same culture that we did Mm -hmm. that made that, you know, the way we do it, using air quotes over here. And so we grow up and we are in our 30s and 40s and beyond and feel like, wait a minute, like, you know, I'm, I'm doing what I was told. And so to do anything else, to do anything other than self-abandon feels impossible. Yeah. And so it's it's the learning of that, which is such a process. And I think for many of us, a lifelong journey of unraveling the, the way of just not putting ourselves last. Well, and for me, it's it's really closely tied to like not quitting. That mm-hmm. same logic. Like, um, I grew up as an athlete, was a college athlete. It's like you don't give up, you keep going, you just work harder, you just give more. You mean like in a relationship specifically? Yeah. Like how oh, that yeah. translates back. And also I think in so many, even in businesses, like I work with so many clients who like realize that they should give up their business, mm-hmm. let it go, move on, completely transform it. And there's so much shame around quitting something that you caused or you at one point wanted. And it's just also another example of not listening to ourselves and paying attention. When you started listening to yourself, how did your life change? Well, I also want to make it very clear that I always heard that voice. I just Mm -hmm. never acted on it. So I was listening but it was sort of like, you know, if, and if you're my age, you might remember answering machines and how we act. And we can do the same thing with voicemail, but with answering machines, like the machine would be there in the in your house and you would hear someone talking on the what would now be voicemail and you would screen it. And that's how you would screen the calls. I think a lot of us do that with our intuition. We're like, mm-hmm. I hear you. And, you know, like <laughs> you, you might be an important person in my life. Whatever you're saying might be important, but I don't feel like acting on this right now. I don't feel like picking up the phone. And I, I think that we do that so much when our intuition is, what our intuition is telling us is going to require us to make a major change. It's going to require us to have a hard conversation. It's going to require us to have a boundary. It's going to require us to hurt someone else's feelings, to disappoint someone else. And instead of doing that, because it's so uncomfortable and we're just not ready, we disappoint ourselves over and over again. And I also want to emphasize that I think we also get to a place where we realize that we do that and then we beat ourselves up for doing it. Yeah. And as many times it's not safe for people to make whatever decision or change in their life that that they know that they need to make. And many times you're just not ready. You know, one of the things that's been that I've been working on my entire adult life, but especially right now, is trusting the timing of my life. It's so and oh man, girl. (laughs) Especially like I'm so impatient. I'm like, no, no, I want it and I want it now. And um 
why do I have to wait? Like I, I get very Veruca Salt about oh, yeah. the timing of my life. <laughs> yeah. I want to party now, daddy. Like, yeah, I want, <laughs> I decided to go back to grad school and I'm 48 PS and the, the program doesn't even start until a year from now. And that, that's just not good enough. And I'm like, yeah. I'm going to be 51 when I graduate. And a wise friend of mine who has a few years on me, she said, you know what? You're going to turn 51 regardless. Like, <laughs> so, you know, you're going to turn 51 with or without a master's degree. So just, just be patient. I'm like, Argh. yeah. So it's, it's, it's that screening of our intuition that we do over and over again. We get used to doing that. And, but at the same time, as I point that out to people listening, like, I also want you to be very gentle with yourself that you do that again. That's what you've yeah. been taught. <laughs> it's what's become comfortable. So now is the time to do whatever steps you need to take to, to stop doing it. And we can talk about that. No, for sure. I'd love to. And and I think we hear that voice and we and we ignore it for good things and for bad. Like the number mm -hmm. of entrepreneurs I've talked to who said, oh, I knew for years and I just wasn't doing it, wasn't doing it. Um, I also think it's so interesting that so often when we feel like we're in a pivotal moment and you ask someone, well, what do you need? What do you want? What should you do? And the, everyone's first response is often, I don't know. And I now I will, you know, call out my clients say, if you're saying I don't know, it probably means that you just don't like what you already know and you're right. hoping another version shows up. <laughs> yeah. What I might also ask in that moment, and I've had many a client say that too, is is I'll I'll take a few steps back and I'll say, listen, because I'm I'm a pretty uh assertive coach. That's what people come to me for, because I will yeah. point out the things, like oftentimes the things that they're not saying. But I'll ask them, like, if you knew that I would never push you to do anything scary, if you knew we could just like talk about it and leave it over there, what would be the scariest thing that your intuition is telling you? <laughs> I <laughs> like, love we that don't, We don't have to talk about it after you say it out loud. Because then it often comes out. Well, and, and how, what a great space to be creating for them to say it and not have to do something about it because, mm -hmm. it, you know, everyone is in some capacity aware of the power of manifesting today or, you know, mindful thoughts. And you're like, oh, once I say it, what am I releasing? <laughs> right. Once I say it out loud, it gets so real. And, and it, it, sometimes it just takes the pressure off to be able to do that. But I don't know. And then some clients, they will say something out loud that comes out of their mouth so naturally. And and you're like, okay. And then they'll follow it up with another sentence and excuse or whatever it is. And so I always, you know, coaches, we we, we catch on to those things. <laughs> yeah. It's it's really hard to hide. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. um, before we get back to like how people can work through that, what type of clients do you love working with? Because I think right now everyone's like, ooh, I want to work with Andrea. Like, what kind of client should I be for her? Yeah, I work best with women who are, I do take the occasional man every once in a while if it's if it's a, the right fit. But I work with women who typically on the outside, like their bio and resume looks amazing. Like on the outside, they're great on paper. They have typically done well in their career. They've gotten to a place where they are happy with that and maybe want to want to move forward or, or leave corporate to start their own business or whatever it is. And I do work with some entrepreneurs, but they're 
interpersonal relationships are struggling. And what I mean by that is they have a really hard time setting any kind of boundaries. Again, they put everyone before themselves, but they make it look really easy and no one would know. But inside they have a lot of resentments um, and they're just getting more and more pissed off. And they also don't have time to put themselves first. They've created a life for themselves where it's going to take some major adjusting and major boundary setting to make any changes. And also they they really struggle. Some of them really struggle with organization and things like that. But it's just that it's that boundary setting. And most of them don't even know what is important about the way they live their life. They know something is missing and they can give me a list of things that they want less of, but they don't know what it is that they want more of because they've never been given the opportunity to explore it. And so we spend some time there and you know what it really comes down to, everyone sort of brings a little bit of a different primary focus, but it comes down to a handful of things time and time again that they bring. And it's that boundaries, hard conversations that they don't know what to say, let alone have the courage to do it. Mm-hmm. So we work on that as well as figuring out what it is is that is important about the way they live their life. And then the third one is the strength of their relationships because your happiness and fulfillment, there's a direct correlation between that and the health of your relationships. And sometimes there's relationships they need to let go of. Sometimes it's relationships they need to nurture more. Many times it's um, a partnership that they either need to make a big ask about doing some kind of counseling or that they want to explore leaving and just need kind of that like unbiased coaching. So those are like the three main things that that women struggle with that they that we that we work on. I recently did a training with um parts the positivity and resiliency training that mm-hmm. a friend of mine was doing and they had an exercise about exploring who really is your community. It was the most frustrating exercise I have ever done. And I get excited now because there's like, I'm sure like you, there's been so many things that we've done and been a part of. And and so when you get an exercise that triggers you, you're like, ooh, we mm-hmm. found a door. Yeah. <laughs> and it was so interesting to go through and really look at which relationships were balanced, which ones were not. Who could you call at 2 a.m.? Who could mm-hmm. you call at this time? And it was so interesting to really look at on paper, the reality of what your community is and the people you can count on versus how we run around through life all day distracted. It's been so eye-opening and such an interesting journey the past six-ish months. And it's one of the few personal development trainings I've done where I left less happy than when I started, but (gasps) I knew it was like it was the right way to be like for the greater good of you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I've been there after many therapy sessions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I noticed this a lot when my kids, when I went through the whole birthing process of both of my children, my, my kids are 16 and my daughter's just about to be 14. And when I, I won't get into the details of that because I'm, I'm a little bit of a birth junkie, but when they were born, that made me realize how much, especially women, need community, especially when you are pregnant and giving birth and have small babies, how much we need each other and how incredibly difficult it is and how diminishing it is on our mental health to not have other women around us and try to do all of this many times by ourselves. And so it's, it it is one of those things that I think in the modern world, we really struggle with. And again, it's affecting our mental health 
I think mm-hmm. long-term studies are going to really be eye-opening around this, especially I I feel I have feelings around this for my children's generation and hope that things change, but no, you're right. Like, and that's why I think it's the health of our relationships is, is so important to nurture. Mm-hmm. And it takes, it takes a lot of effort. And, and one, one complaint that I hear my clients say a lot is I get so frustrated that I have to be the one to take the steps to do this. Why can't they do it? And my answer is because they're not the seeker. Yeah. Is it unfair? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And you have the right to feel whatever it is that you feel that it doesn't feel reciprocal and you are the one doing the heavy lifting, but here you are, you know, you can either choose to be mad about it and like, <laughs> and not do anything because you're like, I don't want them to come to me. Or you can be the one to start the process. Being the um, bigger person, it, like, it doesn't matter how old you are. You hit a relationship or a thing where you're, you have to like talk yourself through it no matter how much work you've done. Yeah. I think for, in that instance, I don't know if it's a case of being the bigger person as it is a, as being just the fire starter, you know, Ooh, the, like one, the one to do it. And I also want to say this too, because I think many of us go through our lives where we keep circling back to the same person or persons that we keep hoping they're going to show up for us. And we go through like a, a really difficult time and we were in agony and we pick up the phone and we call our mom or our best friend from childhood and they keep showing up the way that isn't, doesn't work for us. And maybe we even had a conversation with them. It's like, I, 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 I love that you support me. And I would also love it if you showed up X, Y, and Z and they continuously <laughs> disappoint us. That place, I've held so many women in that place because it is less painful for us to hold on to hope that they will change rather than accept yep. that they have shown us a pattern that they have received feedback about it and they aren't either incapable or unwilling to show up for you the way that you want to be supported. It hurts more to accept that and not continue to try to knock on that door over and over again, it hurts more to do that than to hold out hope that they will change. And so I just want to acknowledge that because it's super common. And I think having done that in my own life, once you accept it, even though it is not at all what you want to do, Mm -hmm. it's amazing to me how things move out of your way once you do. Like you don't realize how much mental space you're giving it. You don't realize all the psychological things that it's holding you in the same place. Right. Like, you know, getting, I'm a keeper. Like once someone is in the circle, they're usually in. Mm -hmm. And the good and bad of being a coach is like seeing the possibility of someone. But whenever I have let someone go that wasn't supposed to be in my life anymore, especially significant people. Yeah. It's, like everyone comes like six months later, people are like, what have you done? You're a different human now. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, I just let a person go. <laughs> like that's I it. went through a massive mourning phase. Yeah. Yes. Just grieving it. Mm-hmm. So for somebody who's in a space where they know they're at a crossroads, they know they need to take actions they don't want to or choose themselves. How would you encourage them to walk through that process? Yeah, I think there are many ways to do it. You know, I know a lot of people do it themselves and they do that by listening to podcasts like this one or or mine, and they might follow the experts that they see on there that resonate with them. 
Uh, they can read books and and maybe take like online courses and things like that or work with a therapist and or a coach. I think if you have the resources to do so, marrying those two relationships is, I think, essential. I rarely work with a client where I feel like, oh, they're okay without therapy. Like <laughs> the vast majority of them. I like if they're not working with a therapist, I end up referring them to work simultaneously with me and a therapist. But both and they serve different purposes. And and I I just I think one of the most important steps is creating that primary focus for you. Like if there's anything you and I have said here or over the last, you know, 20 minutes or or anywhere else that resonates with them. You know, maybe they listen to somebody who was an expert on, on abandonment issues and they're like, okay, that's the thing that's holding me back. So talk to your therapist about that. I think having that primary focus and the results that you want to achieve. And P.S., I, I would say like at least 25, 30% of my clients, when they come to me with their intake packet, we have to adjust their expectations because I'm like, because they'll be like, I want to walk away from our coach client relationship, you know, um, having no self doubt anymore and like all the confidence. And I'm like, I, I'm, I'm all for a lofty <laughs> moonshot goal. I'm not going to tell you, you won't ever have it. However, let's be realistic. And then I kind of explain, you know, what, what, what success actually looks like. P.S. It includes still having moments of self doubt. You just recognize it very fast and you can move forward. <laughs> but, um, yeah knowing what your primary focus are and the results are that you want so that when you hire a therapist or coach, you, you mm -hmm. both have kind of a map. It's, do you also find that you have clients that come to you and you, you want to move their goals farther along? Yes. Especially, especially women. <laughs> you know, like, the amount of, um, you know, undermining ourselves that we do and I do it to myself as well. Um yeah, my short answer is yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I, I think it's really interesting the where we push and where we hold back with ourselves. And um yeah, it's it's just it's so it tells you so much about a person of yeah. like where they're putting themselves on the different metrics um and what they want. You know, um we were talking briefly before we started about how like what makes me kind of crazy as a coach is knowing what's possible for somebody and being like, it's not crossing the ocean. It's taking like one inch forward. Like, mm -hmm. come on, you can do it. Like there's a lot of, you know, convincing someone to move one inch when they've already made so much progress themselves. Yeah. And I, I, I think it's so fascinating how we can paralyze ourselves for the smallest movement, um, but yet make goals that are so lofty and big at the same time. You know, when, and this is also why I love watching shrinking because how he like wants to shake his clients, I so relate with. Have you seen that mm -hmm. TV show? I haven't, but you're like the third person that's told me about it. It's so good. It's like a full laughing hysterically, crying hysterically. Like it takes you through everything and it's just so beautifully done. But for anyone who who holds space for people to be their greatness, I think it's mm -hmm. a really relatable show. Um, so when when you're in that space of working with somebody, how do you manage 
meeting them wherever they are and also mm-hmm. being their champion to go as far as farther than they imagine that they can. Yeah. That's one of the the um kind of cornerstones of coaching that I think I was blessed with. It came naturally to me. Like I call myself a professional hype girl. I've been a cheerleader forever, mm-hmm. both literally and figuratively. And what I learned before I became a coach, I was a I was in the fitness industry as well. That's what my undergrad is in. And what I realized in being a personal trainer is that you cannot want it more than your clients. Yeah. And so part of what I've learned with being a coach is that it's one thing to be to champion them and be their cheerleader and their hype girl. It's another thing to actually show them what's possible and kind of paint the vision for them. But they need to they need to set that agenda first. Like I can't make up what it is that you want. Like you can tell me what you want and then I can sort of call you out on the smallness of it and we can go mm-hmm. from there. But this is something that isn't that doesn't just happen like in one conversation in one session. This is something that happens over time, over and over again. And as a coach, and this I think this just comes in my human relationships too. Is like I have to remind myself, like, oh, they don't see what's in my head. Like I have to articulate it for them over and over again so they can hear it and and, and see it from someone that they trust, you know, and hopefully we've mm-hmm. I've built that that level of trust with them. But it's 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 such a gift to be able to walk with someone through mm-hmm. that. Like, I don't, I don't take that lightly. Like I sit in reverence with them uh, about their life and it's just, I could go on and on about it, but I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm actually writing brand new copy for, for my website. I, I update it every few years. And one of the things I, I say on there is like, I can guarantee you one thing about this life. The only thing I can guarantee you is that you're going to die. You are. So am I. We all are. And so when you're 80 or 90 years old, if you are lucky enough to get to that place and be healthy enough to be able to reflect on your life, like what kind of stories do you want to tell? Like, do you want to be able to list all of your regrets and have that list be longer than than the things that you tried to do? I'm not even going to say a list of your successes because like we all have like failures and things like that. So mm-hmm. anyway, it's another thing I can get up on my soapbox about. So <laughs> I'll, just, I'll stop talking and let you jump in and bite on any of that. <laughs> Well, it, it's, it, I love having a list of like what we actually want to do. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned it earlier that most people don't spend time asking themselves, what do I want? Why do I live here? Yeah. Like we, we stop asking why in the really small things about life and it shifts our trajectory in so many different ways because we didn't make an intentional choice mm-hmm. or we stopped making intentional choices. So I, I honestly want to bring this back to just you and your life of how have you made intentional choices and what has surprised you about the journey since you started being more intentional? Yeah, there's so many things. And I, I think that I always like to acknowledge where people might be too, that that's mm-hmm. relatable. And it, what it comes to, the first thing I want to say is what it comes down to a lot of time is safety. We tend to, as humans, we tend to do what we feel is safe. And it's one thing to get super motivated and pumped. And, you know, when my, when my marriage, my first marriage fell apart and, you know, and and then right after that, I dated someone who was, who was a con man, like that's what it was and conned me out of a lot of money. And, (laughs) and it was just, if, if you saw the Tinder swindler, it was similar to that, slightly less dramatic, but so many similarities. And I decided to take 
like radical responsibility for my life. And that's when I found coaching and that movie, The Secret had just come out based on the book. And so I was primed and ready to change my life. And I did. A couple of years after that, I got sober. I, you know, I got remarried and I had a couple of kids and then I fell back into safety. And in many ways, I was very intentional about my friendships. I was very intentional about my physical health. I was very intentional about my education. And I finished my my bachelor's degree. And I was very intentional about my career, which was a huge success. But I, I, I definitely fell into that place of safety in terms of my marriage. And I do think that it was a matter of I want to say this because I I, I want to say this because I, I think some people can relate. It was um, and like I said, we're in the middle of 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 undoing it. And I will never say anything bad about this person that I was married to with for 16 years. And I do think though, we can get into those places of being in a partnership where you're kind of doing life side by side. And especially when you have small children and you sort of forget to turn towards each other, or maybe you don't forget, but it just becomes easier not to. And you can go along in this relationship and screen those calls of your intuition. It's like, I don't want to hear it. It's going to be too hard to do the thing that I kind of think I probably should or to have that conversation I know I probably should. And then it gets to a point where for some of us, like we have a physical breakdown where our body starts to tell us like, you ain't listening. (laughs) And so (laughs) we're going to communicate with you in a different way. And we can sort of lose track of the fact that we have been unintentional. But in a way, we have been intentional because, you know, I, I think for many of us too, we intuitively know that we're making a decision that isn't right for us, but we're willing to accept the consequences for a period of time. And it all brings me back to that level of safety. And for some people, it's very real safety, you know, like that they Mm -hmm. just they can't, like their life might be in danger if they make a decision. That was not the case for me. Um, so I just, I kind of went off on a little side side note just to sort of, to, to paint a picture of what somebody might be going through. And I think that we can tend to beat ourselves for staying in relationships for longer than the expiration date and things like that. But um, it's never too late to start over. Again, you're going to be 51 no matter what or however <laughs> old you're going to be. You're going to be 75 no matter what. So I just, I do think that like what a lot of what I'm saying is coming back to is self-compassion because I don't know about you or your listeners, like I do a pretty good job of beating myself up. And that was one of the things that early on in my personal development career, just for myself, that I have, have done some heavy lifting and that intention has changed yeah. my life because yes, you can still change your life and be very, very kind to yourself. No one bullies themselves into more success. No one bullies themselves into, you know, better health or nutrition or more success in their business or like self-compassion will take you farther than you ever, ever knew. Yeah. And, and for me, I realized that it wasn't always like negative self-talk. It was just really aggressive grading, self-grading. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why, why am I being that asshole teacher who yeah. like no one gets an A? <laughs> like, this why is not so, me? Yeah. yeah, exactly. If we go back to eight-year-old you, would she have imagined that this is where your life has gone and this is who you are today? You know, it's funny. I love that question. First of all, that was third grade and I had the worst Bob of my life. I had that. <laughs> 
I'm I'm 48. I was born 1975. So like, remember that Page Boy, like the oh, Dutch yeah. Boy? Yeah, I had that. But probably, like probably, I've always had this big personality and like a lot of energy. And so I would be pleasantly surprised, you know, when people ask me like, oh, did you, did you expect your life to be here? Oh, I have far exceeded my expectations. Like I'm the youngest of five and I, my siblings are all half siblings from my parents' previous marriages. So by the time they got to me, my parents were older when I was born and they did a great job raising me. I, I don't want to say otherwise, but they were kind of like, good luck with life. You know, like, there weren't <laughs> a whole lot of high expectations in terms of college or my career. They're like, get a job in retail. You'll be fine. Um, so, <laughs> sales, whatever. And so to be here with three traditionally published books in 19 languages and to have spoken up on stages in front of thousands of people like I'm not my my eight year old self isn't surprised that that's what I'm doing. I think she's pleasantly excited that that's how big it got. Yeah, we we never dream as big as as, as we're capable of. No, no. Mm-hmm. I was just gonna like, you know, have some like regular job and have a family like that that was the prize for me and you know this goes back to the relationships and like staying in ones that are not serving us i definitely (laughs) fell victim to to our culture of like being picked Mm -hmm. like i just wanted a nice handsome man to pick me and that was all that was it like that was the prize and i think back and i'm like what the actual fuck (laughs) like (laughs) My daughter's about to be 14. And if like, and if she articulated that that was her dream, I would feel like I have failed you as a mother. (laughs) Like if that's like part of her dream, like cool, but like there's so much more to life. Like, yeah. So that's, there's that too. (laughs) When you think of the words powerful and ladies, do their definitions change when they're on their own versus next to each other? Totally. Like I remember, so I used to run a lot. And my hips and knees <laughs> have retired from that. But I remember one time I was I was running and I had this sort of vision slash metaphor that came to me of what if I was running a marathon and it was like this all women marathon and somebody tripped and fell? Like, would we all leave her behind or like step on her and like, no, like <laughs> we would stop and like pick her up and and help her. And so, and then I was like crying on my run when I, when I, I saw this metaphor sort of unfold in my mind. And, you know, we are, we are so much more powerful in numbers when, when we lift each other up and like, don't get me mm-hmm. started on internalized misogyny, you know, cause I, there's a, I, I wrote about that in my third book because there's that stereotype of, oh, women are just inherently catty and competitive. I mean, actually not. Yes. (laughs) There's some research that shows that, but for the most part, no, it's culture. It's been put on us. Uh, But no, I, I, my short answer is I absolutely think that we are more powerful when we lift each other up. Yeah. We ask everyone where they put themselves in our powerful lady scale. If zero is average everyday human and 10 is the most powerful human you can imagine, where would you put yourself today versus an average day? So, I'm going to answer this, maybe not the way that you you asked me, but I I think it depends on if I if a few things are happening. If I am the basics, am I getting enough sleep? Am I getting enough 
water am I putting food in my body that my body really needs? The other thing is, am I leaning on the women in my life who have proven over and over again that they that I can trust them and that they mm-hmm. will show up for me? And and also, am I connecting in some way to a spiritual slash higher power, whatever you want to call it, something bigger than myself? And I, I hesitate to say that, you know, because some people you know, it's just like, well, I don't know, <laughs> myself included. But the more I lean on that, the more strength, patience, peace I have, even in my worst days. Like, I'll be honest, like recently I've gone through some dark night of the soul days as I navigate my way through this second divorce. And the days that I just take it one hour at a time and reach out to my community and, and, um, lean on that higher power are the days where there is a small sense of peace over me that I know that it's going to be okay. Did I answer the question? Yes. Okay. (laughs) You did. Um, I really think I just need to give all those clips to a psychologist to like tell me what came back after hundreds and hundreds of episodes because it's so interesting to me how some people are such hard graders. Some people are like, I'm a 22. Some people, you know, there's context to it, but it's really interesting to see who just like answers it versus like, hold on, like I need to process this and explain it. It's, I did not expect it to be the most interesting question that comes up. <laughs> it's an interesting question. And I'm not at all surprised that you get all kinds of answers. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look at where you have taken your business and stepped into an entrepreneurial space that I don't think you were imagining when you started. Mm-hmm. What are you proud of and what has surprised you the most? You know, so I started, I officially launched Your Kick-Ass Life, which the business is still called that, in 2010. So this was, I mean, that's like dinosaur era in terms of (laughs) online internet, especially like online life coaching. Like there was a very small handful of, especially women who'd, who'd come before me. Um, I mean, Marie Forleo had just started. Like she hadn't even started B-School yet back then. And I think I'm the most proud of not listening to the advice when people told me not to swear. They told me not to be so open and transparent and vulnerable about my life. And and like, let me be clear that I was doing it from a little bit of an unhealthy place because I started a blog Mm -hmm. in 07 and I just was like, if I don't tell this story, I might die. So I was talking about my eating disorder. I was talking about my, my failed first marriage. I was talking about all these really difficult things in my life just because I, I grew up as the seeker and like kind of the black sheep in the family where I'm like, Mm -hmm. is nobody going to talk about the elephant in the room? Because it's right over there. And my family was like, shh, no. And, uh, I always felt like the one who, might die if we don't talk about the hard things. So I kept doing that in 07, 08, 09, 2010, et cetera. And I was rewarded <laughs> handsomely, <laughs> even when people told me not to do it. So I'm I'm proud that I did not listen to that advice. And then what was the other part of the question? What am I most surprised by? Yes. God, nothing surprises me anymore. Um, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, for the sake of transparency, because I don't know any other way to be, I'm a terrible marketer. Like I know what to do, but I don't do it. Like I'm not great at selling. I'm really great on camera. 
I can like entertain the shit out of anybody for a long time. I can riff on most topics, but when it yeah. comes to like all of the things that we're supposed to do, like the lead magnets and the, oh my God, do as I say and not as I do. Cause I can tell you exactly what to do, but like, do I do it? No. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, not it's, great. it's wild. I mean, when people, I'm a business coach when people come to me and they're like, wait, you have a business coach? I'm like, yeah. Of course. Because I can tell you how to make a multi-million dollar business, but I will not do the exact things I tell you unless someone else is reminding me to do it. Yeah. Because I'm so focused on you and what's over here. Um, and like I'll I'll go to my coach and be like, I just helped somebody launch an eighty thousand dollar a month course. Mm-hmm. Why isn't mine working? And she's like, Well, did you put any time and effort into it? Did you hire people? And I'm like, Okay, fine. Yes, I know the answer. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> I never feel more dumb. Right. Because we don't, we don't, especially I think in a coaching space when you're always giving outwardly, mm-hmm. it's the same. It's like what we were talking about before, just like being a female. It's like, oh, right. Did I block off time to actually work on my own business or did I yeah. delegate it? Because let's be honest, like I think people skip over an entrepreneurship that you have to do so much work on yourself to be successful. Oh, totally. And I want to, I want to pause for a moment and say something here because mm-hmm. I've gotten to the place now as we're having this conversation in 2023. I know that my lack of marketing isn't about my own, you know, lack of self-confidence or or you know, more work I need to do on myself. I yeah. my online business manager, she's been with me for 10 years. And she oh, has okay. said to me, she's like, Andrea, it's just not your style. It's yeah. just not your style. Because when I think about having an eighty thousand dollar a month membership community, I know the work that needs to go into that. And I would rather pull my teeth out with dirty, rusty pliers <laughs> one by one than do that work. Yeah. I have left so much money on the table year mm-hmm. after year after year. And I don't regret it. I don't. No. Because I don't want to do all of the shit that is involved with that. I can teach you how to do it. And I yeah. pray to God that you actually want to do it and understand the work yeah. that's involved because I don't want to do it. And, and now... It's interesting that I'm, you know, I'm going through this divorce now and it's forced me to really look at my business and I am burning it all down and I'm taking, uh, I'm pivoting and like I'm going to grad school to get my license yeah. to be an LPC and I'm going to go work in, um, in an adjacent yeah. field. And am I probably going to screw up marketing over there a little bit? Probably. <laughs> but I know I'm going to be damn good at it and I'm going to mm-hmm. make enough money that it, I am I had a business coach once that told me she's like Andrea I've never met anyone who's so good at manifesting exactly what it is that she needs and nothing more. So she's yeah. like you can manifest more. You're powerful at it. And I'm like, "Oh, okay, if I have the energy, I will." And I have at times like I I've, I've had amazing years. I've had amazing years. Yeah. But anyway, all that to say, if you're listening to this and that's you, don't beat yourself up. If it, it's mm-hmm. just Entrepreneurship is not for everyone. It's not. And and I think there are certain parts of it that I'm really great at and others mm-hmm. that I'm not. And as long as I can like pay my bills and like go on some fun vacations and and get my kids what they want, I'm good. I'm I'm well, okay. And and that's one of the illusions that I hate about some of the very masculine approaches mm-hmm. to small business or entrepreneurship. It's like you don't need to build an empire. And 10x right. everything in order to have a thriving, happy life. It's like, thank you. We'll, we'll talk about sales goals. And I'm like, well, how much do you want? How much do you need? Exactly. It's like, you don't need to keep going. Like, one of my things is like how it's 
easier than we think. Like you can double your business without selling your soul. But like, at what point is enough? And what do you need? And why are you doing it? Like, just to hit the new sales goal? It's like, well, where is the money going? Like, <laughs> right. Are you doing it to give it to all the dogs? Like, why? <laughs> why are we chasing this for? number? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's all of those things are important to get clear on. And I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. And I just I just think that it's like right around 2014, 2015, there was this explosion of business coaches and also the whole thing of that it, it became a necessary thing to make six figures. And now it's seven figures. Like if you don't have a seven yeah. figure business, you're shit. And I just I don't buy into that. I did for no. a little bit. And then I was like, this feels disgusting. This feels like I've been wearing the same underwear for 10 days. Like, get this off of me. Like, get out. (laughs) That is such a good analogy of like how icky it is. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. No, it's perfect because you really know what that feels like. You're like, oh God, no. Even two Um, days in a row is bad, but no, no, it feels like 10 days. I remember... (laughs) Off topic, but aligned to what you just said. I had this book I was given in college called like the Badass Girls Rock Guide to the Open Road. Mm-hmm. And it had all these ridiculous tips in it of like how to make road trips work. And one of the tips was about like flipping your underwear inside out so you could keep going and not I feel have, disgusting. I have done that before though. And <laughs> like that's a desperation. <laughs> yeah. It's, oh, it was just one of those ridiculous things. Um, well, we have gone in a lot of different places. So for people who love you, want to connect with you, follow you, support you on wherever this journey goes, find your books. What are all the places that people can support, find, and follow you? So andreaowen.com is the best way to do that. And I still, even though it's not scalable, here's another way that I've left money on the table. I still love one-on-one more than anything. And if people want to work with me, there's an application there on my coaching page. So just andreaowen.com. And I'm Hey Andrea Owen on all social platforms. And my podcast is called Make Some Noise. And your books are available everywhere and through your website. Everywhere books are sold. Yeah, they should be. Yeah, especially, you know, obviously on Amazon and um, their favorite bookstore, Barnes & Noble, Audible, all that. Yeah, amazing. Um, The last thing that we've been asking everyone this year is what do you need? What's on your wish list? What's on your to manifest list? How can we help you? This is a powerful, connected community that, like you said, likes to pick each other up when we're all running marathons together. I love DMs on Instagram. I love getting them from people. Um, Please bear with me because a lot of them, you know, go to my spam folder, but I will, I will get back to you. And it is me that reads them. My team very rarely logs into my Instagram account unless I need them to. So, you know, if you want to reply to one of my Instagram stories, if you want to just send me a DM and say that you heard me here, I'm happy to, to reply. Well, thank you so much for your time today and for, you know, checking off one of my wish list guests that I've been on for a couple of years. So thank you so much. Oh, I hope I lived up to the hype. <laughs> All the links to connect with Andrea, her coaching, and her books are in our show notes at thepowerfulladies.com. Please subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening and come join us on Instagram at Powerful Ladies. If you're looking to connect directly with me, visit caraduffy.com or Kara underscore Duffy on Instagram. I'll be back next week with a brand new episode and a new amazing guest. Until then, I hope you're taking on being powerful in your life. Go be awesome and up to something you love.